0: Hello, and welcome to Infinite Cast. Uh, part eighteen, seventeen, definitely a part. Up upper teens. Mm-hmm. Um, we spies. We bean dads. We put the can da- in da- the daughter's da- hands. Uh, we'll get to that later. There's a go- So there's been some good discourse. As Molly just tweeted, uh, having a uh. A, a weekend directly after New Year's has, has... During a pandemic. During a pandemic has has made people go wild on the TL. People
1: are going crazy.
0: But we'll review the discourse after this segment.
1: Yes. All, All right. right. Let's get back into Seven. it. What was um, our last segment? Was Mario and Cadenza getting sexually harassed oh, by yes. the USS Millicent Kent and finding a tripod uh, randomly woods. placed in the in a thicket. Okay, great. All right. Uh, some a couple of sections here. We'll see how far we can get in our in our prescribed time. Thirtieth of April, year of the depend adult under garment. Steeply said, choosing Boston as your op center after all, which to us signifies the place of the supposed entertainment's origin. Morath made a gesture of being willing to take time and play along if Steeply wished it, but also the city Boston, USA, has logic your closest city to the convexity, closest, therefore, to Quebec, within, as you say, the distance of spit. His wheelchair squeaked very slightly whenever he moved. <laughs> An automobile horn somewhere between the city and themselves blew a sustained blast. It, always grew, it grew always colder down on the desert floor. They could feel this. He felt gratitude for his windbreaker. Steeply flicked some ashes from his cigarette with a coarse thumb gesture that was not yet feminine but we're not any more sure that they actually do have copies. Also, does this, quote, anti-entertainment the film's director supposedly made to counter the lethality, does it really also exist? This Mm -hmm. really could be some sort of game for you and the FLQ, which takes us to end note number 47. The FLQ is Le Front de la Libération de la Québec. De la Quebec. Sorry, my accent is atrocious. Rather a younger and rowdier and less implacably business-like cell than the AFR, and symbolically adopting certain cultural customs, musics, and motifs associated with Hawaii. Supposedly an ironic nod to the idea that Quebec is now, too, a kind of annex or territory of the U.S., a Canadian province only on paper, and separated from its real captor nation by distances of space and culture that are unbridgeable.
0: They're like the Boogaloo Boys (laughs) of the Quebecois uh, liberation.
1: seriously, wow. A sort of game for you and the FLQ to hold out the promise of the anti-entertainment as a chip for concessions, as some kind of remedy or antidote. Of this anti-film that antidotes the seduction of the entertainment, we have no evidence except craziness of rumors. Steeply used a technical interviewer's device of pretending to occupy himself with small physical chores of preening and hygiene, delaying to have Morath elaborate himself more fully. The lights of the city Tucson, with their movements and twinkling, made a globe of light, such as on ceilings, at Les Salles de danse in Val d'Or, Quebec. <laughs> Morath's wife was dying slowly of ventricular, ventricular restinosis, which takes us to end note 48. The progressive... Asymmetrical narrowing of one or more cardiac sinuses can be either atherosclerotic or neoplastic, rare before continental interdependence, now the third leading cause of death amongst adults of Quebec and New Brunswick and the seventh among adults of the northeastern USA, associated with chronic low-level exposure to 2378-tetrachlorodibenzo-P-dye and trioxin compounds." (laughs) So just, I don't know, fucking waste, I suppose. yeah. Uh, Back to the text. Never's in the concavity. He thought, die twice. Marath said, and also, why do they never send you into the field as yourself, steeply? This is to say, in appearance. The last time you were, what is that I hope to say, a Negro for almost one year, Mm. no? Mm. USA persons shrugs are always as if trying to lift a heavy thing. Haitian, steeply said. I was Haitian. Some negroid tendencies in the persona, maybe. Oh, my God. Marath listened to steeply be silent. A USA coyote sounds more like a high-strung dog. The automobile's horn continued, sounding to the men forlorn and somehow nautical out below in the dark. The feminine manner to examine the fingernails was to raise the whole hand's back into view instead of merely curling the nails in over the upturned palm. Marath recalled knowing this from a very young age. They do be like that,
0: though. Mm-hmm. Women do be looking like th- at their hands from bird's eye view.
1: We do. Uh, Steeply would pick at the corners of his lip, then, for an interval change to examining the fingernails. His silences seemed always comfortable and contained. He was a competent operative. More cold air came, odd, eddied breezes up in over the shelf from the desert's floor, puffs of sudden air as if from the turning of a volume's pages. His bare arms had the plucked chicken look of chilled and bare skin in his grotesque sleeveless dress. Morath had not been aware of when, during the falling of night, Steeply had removed the absurd sunglasses, but decided the exact moment of this did not matter for reporting every word and gesture back to M40A. Again the coyote, and also another further off, perhaps to answer. The sounds were like that of a domestic dog being given low voltage. Les Assassins M. Fortier and M. Brighim and some others of his comrades on wheels believed Rémy Marath to be eidetic, near perfect in recall and detail. Marath, who could remember several incidents of crucial observations he had failed later to recall, knew this was not true. Mm -hmm. 30th of April, year of the Dependent All Undergarment. Several times also, Marath called USA to steeply your walled nation or your murated nation. (laughs) And we move on. An oiled guru sits in yogic full lotus in spandex and tank top. He's maybe 40. He's in full lotus on top of the towel dispenser just above the shoulder pull station in the weight room of the Enfield Tennis Academy, Enfield, Massachusetts. Saucers of muscle protrude from him and run together so that he looks almost crustacean. His head gleams, his hair jet black and extravagantly feathered. His smile could sell things. Nobody knows where he comes from or why he's allowed to stay, but he's always in there, sitting yogic about a meter off the rubberized floor of the weight room. His tank top says transcend in silkscreen. <laughs> On the back, it's got deus providebit in deglo orange. It's always the same. See, I would appreciate an end note there. I don't know what that means in Latin. Indiglo orange. It's always the same tank top. God Sometimes, provides? Maybe.
0: Deus I pro, mean.
1: pro Providebit. Good enough, guesses, yeah, I
0: guess. Would, yeah, I would assume that, that God provides.
1: It's always the same tank top. Sometimes the color of the spandex leggings changes. This guru lives off the sweat of others, literally. The fluids and salts and fatty acids. He's like a beloved nut. He's an ETA institution. You do like maybe some sets of benches, some leg curls, inclined abs, crunches, work up a good hot shellac of sweat. Then if you let him lick your arms and forehead, he'll pass on to you some little nugget of fitness guru wisdom. His big one for a long time was, and the Lord said, let not the weight thou wouldst pull to uh, thyself exceed thine own weight. (laughs) His advice on conditioning and injury prevention tends to be pretty solid, is the consensus. His tongue is little and rough, but feels good, like a kitty's. It isn't like a faggy or sexual thing. Some Mm -hmm. of the girls let him, too. He's harmless as they come. He supposedly went way back with Dr. Incandenza, the Academy's founder, in the past. Some of the newer kids think he's a creep and want him out of there. What kind of guru wears spandex and lives off others' perspiration, they complain. God only knows what he does in there when the weight room's closed at night, they say. Sometimes the newer kids, who won't even let him near them, come in and set the resistance on the shoulder pull at a weight greater than their own weight. (laughs) The guru on the towel dispenser just sits there and smiles and doesn't say anything. They hunker then and grimace and try to pull the bar down, but like Lo, the overweighted shoulder pull becomes a chin-up. Up they go, their own bodies toward the bar they're trying to pull down. Everyone should get at least one good look at the eyes of a man who finds himself rising toward what he wants to pull down to himself. And I like how the guru on the towel dispenser doesn't laugh at them or even shake his head sagely on its big brown neck. He just smiles, hiding his tongue. He's like a baby. Everything he sees hits him and sinks without bubbles. He just sits there. I want to be like that. Able to just sit all quiet and pull life toward me, one forehead at a time. His name is supposedly Lyle that, that, <laughs> that <right>. segment. <laughs> okay. And then we'll get into this. It's longer. We'll see how far we get. Okay. Um, totally different. This is a completely new set of characters and set up and probably place in time. All right. Yeah. It was yours truly and C and poor Tony that crewed that day and everything like that. The AM were wicked bright and us a bit sick. However, we scored our wake-ups, boosting some items at a sidewalk sale in the Harvard Square where it were warm-upping and the snow coming off awnings. And then later, poor Tony ran across an old Patty Citizen type of his old acquaintance from, like, the Cape. And poor Tony got over and pretended like he would give a blowjob on the house. And we got the Citizen to get in his ride with us and crude on him good. Is we he go- trying
0: to do like a Southie patois in I here? I don't even know. I can't even.
1: Uh, there's, again, the accent of this is yeah. completely incomprehensible. Also, did- half of the shit is like misspelled. It is. Like-
0: it make, It's making sense in my mind if I'm imagining like a fast-talking South Boston guy saying this to me. Sure.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, if I, if I read it like that, it would be also incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, they crewed on him good and we got enough uh, money off the Patty type to get straightened out for true all day and crewed on him hard. And C wanted we uh, we should eliminate them Patty's map for keeps and everything like that and take his ride to this understanding slope strip shop he knows in Chinatown. But poor Tony turns white as a shit and said by no means and put up an argument and everything like that. And we just left the type there in his vehicle off Mem Drive. We broke the jaw for incentive not to eat no cheese. And C insisted and was not to be denied. He spelled it to be denied <laughs> uh, and took off one ear which there was a mess and everything like that and then C throws the ear away after at a dumpster so yours truly is like so what was the exact pernt to that like <laughs> <laughs> the dumpster was with the dumpsters out by Steve's Donuts in the Enfield Square we go back to the Brighton projects to cop and Roy Tony was Ro- remember Roy Tony? Oh yeah remember Roy Tony was always there on his bench in the playground in late a.m. But now all of the project, and he spells this like the country, so I'm going to go ahead and say it, Niger's (laughs) was awake and out in the playground and it was tense, but it was daytime and everything like that. And we cop half a bundle from Roy Tony and we go down to the library at Copley where we stashed our personal works when we crewed and went into the men's room where there were several works on the floor already that early and got straight in the stall And C and yours truly had a beef about who shot three and who got two. And we made poor Tony give up his third bag. And then but we had to cop for that night and tomorrow a.m. still, which was Christmas, Xmas, excuse me, and had to cop in advance. It's a never ending struggle. It's a full time job to stay straight. And there is no vacation for Xmas at any time. It's a fucking bitch of a life. Don't let anybody get over on you different. And back we go to the Harvard Square, however, on arrival, Poor Tony wanted he should hang for lunchtime with his red leather fags in the bow and arrow and pretty much I can tolerate fags when alone, but together yours truly I can't fucking stand fags and yours truly and C said fuck this shit and we screwed out and go up to the central square where it was cool offing and the awnings refreezing and everything like that and snowing. And boosted NyQuil at the CVS drug where we go to the mop aisle and employ a mop handle in tilting the mirror over the NyQuil aisle. And boosted NyQuil in C's coat and got messed up on NyQuil and scored <laughs> a book bag off a foreign slope, oh god, a foreign slope student type kid on the red line platform. But it only had books and discs, and the disc, disc case was fucking plastic. And into a dumpster with it, it goes. But also at this time, we come up and run into Kelly Vinoy that was working her corner by the dumpster, by Cheap O Records in the square, by the email place. And she's dope sick, having a conversation with Equus and another man. And Equus said he said, Stokely Darkstar just got free tested again at the Fenway and confirmed a big boot, 8.8. He's got the virus for sure. And Purple Boy said, he said, Darkstar said, how if he was going down, he didn't give a shit and wasn't going to give a shit if he gave some others the virus through transmission and the word was out and about, don't share Stokely Darkstar's works, don't use works off Stokely Darkstar, no matter how sick you are, even if you're dying for it, get other works. Like C said, anything would count in your mind when you're sick and had copped and was minus works and Darkstar had works. (laughs) We all, every crew with heads left, have personnel works for only ourselves. Spelled personnel, personal. Personnel works for only ourselves that we use except blown out old hoes like Kelly and Purple Boy, their man takes their money and their works and he's the only one can give them their shots and keep Kelly just this side of dope sick 24-7 for incentive for her to make him more money and everything like that. There's nothing worse than a pimp and Boston pimps are the worst. They're ten, <laughs> the worst. They're ten times worse than NYC pimps that are supposed to be so heartless in NYC, where yours truly peddled ass in Columbus Square for a time of my youth, like Stokely Darkstar before departing for greener pastures. And we had a conversation, but we're coming down, and it was getting dark and snowing for a white Xmas. And if we didn't crew before like twenty two hundred. Roy Tony's Niger's would be too drunk to keep them from beefing with us and there'd be a beef and everything like that if we go to cop after 2200 and who needs a grief? So back we redline line to the Harvard Square and all the foreign students are in the bar and we locate poor Tony smoking hash with fags back of Obon Pen. <laughs> I didn't realize that Obon Pen existed. Then. It I existed it was in the newer. 90s and said, let's roll a foreign student stuck here for Christmas in the bars and caught before 2200. And so we all go on the ice from the frozen melted snow to the bow and arrow in the square with poor Tony and Lola's sister and Susan T. Cheese, who I can't, I fucking can't stand, and got in there and made Susan T. Cheese buy beers. And we wait, and no students are leaving alone to roll. But an older type individual, who anybody could see is no student, but is legless on shots alone at the bar fucking shattered slumped over is getting ready to depart for greener pastures and poor tony tells lola's sister to screw she crews with poor tells lola's sister to screw she crews with poor tony sometimes but not if it's wet work and with c's involvement it's always wet work and yours truly i informed susan t cheese she knew better than to not screw as well and the older individual departs shattered and holding onto walls in a high-class and promising coat for the possibility of money and perns his old nose this way and that and everything like that through the bow and arrow window. C. wipes the steam off and has a conversation with a Santa Claus ringing a big bell for the kettle, and we're like, Jesus, it's a never-ending struggle to wait and cop. But after a while, finally, after stiffing the Santa Claus, We watch he picks a direction finally at last up Mass Ave toward the central square on foot and poor Tony beats it around the block to get up in front of him around the block on the ice in his fucking heels and feather snake around his neck and gets him somehow. Poor Tony always knows how over to the dumpster's alley by Bay Bank off Sherman Street and yours truly and see crew on the individual and roll him and C messes up his older map to a large degree, and we leave him in no condition to eat cheese (laughs) in a snow snow drip of material under the dumpster. And C again wants to siphon out a vehicle on Mass Ave and set him on fire. (laughs) Fucking A, but he has $400 on his person, and then some, and a coat with a furry collar, and a watch we really scored. And C even goes so far to take the non-student shoes, which they don't fit, and in the dumpster they go. Are you clocking that they have a dumpster that they like live in and put all their shit in? Yes, I, I realized I hadn't realized that before, but that's what I'm they're talking.
0: Kind about of this. following this. It's it's more of it's like a tone poem for yeah, me. Yeah, I can try to explain after. I've, I, I'm not catching any plot here, but I'm getting it's just I, it's un- understanding of the vibe. It's a bunch of junkies, junkies robbing like, people. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. And uh, running into and their other junkie friends and yeah, robbing them and yeah,
1: yeah. And but so we uh, back we go to the Brighton projects, but it's post 2200. It's too late. Roy Tony hasn't got his piss boys out. He's not open for commerce. And yet it is like a Niger convention in the playground of the Brighton projects with their glass pipes and their crown royal and purple bags and everything like that in the playground of the projects. And if they smell we're holding this kind of money amounts, they will crew on us in numbers. They're animals at night with their purple bags and pee dope and ready rock crack One large Niger in a Patriots hat has a heart incident and down he goes on the blacktop by the swing set right in front of us and none of his brothers, unquote, go so far to do anything. He lays there. They're animals at night and we screw out with ricky-tick speed from the Brighton projects and we converse. And poor Tony wants to just go over the line to the Enfield Square and try and just cop p dope from Delphina down by the Empire hangars or else what Hang with the fags at Steve's Donuts and hear who else is holding weight in Enfield or Alston and everything like that, but Delphina's pee is from bunk. The word is out and about that it's all manitol and quinine. Quinine. <laughs> you might as- it's spelled K W A I nine the number. Quinine. Jesus, David. You might as well f- f- fucking cop Xlax or Schweps. <laughs> and C dope slaps poor Tony and C wants to red line down to Chinatown. But poor Tony turns white as a shit and said, Chinatown's too dear in money and everything like that, even for like bundles. Dr. Wo is $200, but at least it's always good. And but we have $400 and then some. And C. pernts out, we can fucking well afford Woe's well-known, excellent skeet for once at Christmas. And poor Tony stamps a high heel and says, but how? We've got enough money to stay straight and get Lola's sister straight for Christmas and all lay up and not have to never-ending struggle at Christmas and two or more days after that if we don't blow it on Christmas Eve in Chinatown instead of waiting, which is a good pernt. (laughs) But when has anybody known C. to ever wait? He gets dope sick faster than us and everything like that. And it's all piss and vinegar for woe and starting with the shivers and with the noses mucus already and everything like that. And C is not to be denied. And we say we are screwing down to Chinatown. And if poor Tony don't, Tony don't want to come, he can take a, like a giant breath and hold it in the square until we get back and we'll cop for him. And poor Tony says he might be a dick-sucking fag, but he's not a starry-eyed moroon. <laughs> and so off we... I'm really sorry for all these F-words. And so off we go and everything like that with $400 on the orange line. And through a fucked-up circumstances, yours truly and C almost end up raping an older-type nurse in a white nurse's uniform and coat on the train. But we don't. And but poor Tony seems white and detracted on the plane, uh, train, playing with his feather snake. And says he he's wearing a feather boa. I can I got that. Uh, and says he seems in his mind maybe to recall an involvement in some type of deal where Doctor Woe might have got slightly got over on and burnt, and that maybe down in Chinatown we could err on the side of low profiles and try to cop somewhere uh, except from the woes. Except Doctor Woe is who we know. C is Woe's former acquaintance from crewing with slopes on the North Shore for Whitey Sorkin in the days of his youth. C is not to be denied, and so at the Orange Line T-Stop, we grab a fat cab to about two blocks from Hung Toys and screw out of the cab at a light, and the thing with fat cabbies is they can't run after you, and poor Tony is pisser to watch tear-assing it down the street in high heels with a feather stole. Poor Tony runs right by the front of Hung Toys. This is by prior agreement to wait for us, low profile, down the street. And yours truly and C. go and hung, to, hung toys where they don't open till twenty three hundred and sell tea, unquote, like hundred proof tea till all hours and everything like that and never get inspected because doctor Woe has arrangements with Chinatown's finest. Xmas is non celebrated in Chinatown. Doctor Woe a good thing about Woe is he's always there and hung toys at known times. Here there's all old slope racial types, ladies sitting in booths eating noddles. No <laughs> <and> drinking quote <laughs> tea out of white cups the size of a shot glass and everything like that. with small slope kids terrassing it all over, and older men in like jew caps and skinny beards out of just the middle of their chin. But Dr. Woe is only middle-aged and wears iron glasses and a tie and looks more like a banker for a slope, but he is 100% business and ice cold all the way down for slope-type commerce. Plus, he's connected big time and not to be fucked or got over on if somebody has a head left. And yours truly? I can't believe poor Tony would ever take part in trying to crew on Woe who he knows through C and even the smallest commerce. And if he did, C says, he sure never heard about it, nor saw any of the skeet or anything like that. And why? C's the one that knows, whoa. We arranged poor Tony to wait for us outside and try to be low profile. It's sub-zero snow, and he's in a leather spring coat and stole and brown wig that's not as good as a hat, and he'll freeze his low profile balls off. (laughs) And C was trying to smile, and he told Dr. Woe we needed three bundles. And Dr. Woe was smiling in his slope manner, said the boosting life must surely be excellent. And C laughed and said, most excellent. C's tight with slopes. He does the talking and everything like that. And he says, we're going to lay up low profile for the Xmas vacation, and not crew, because uh, I had a rape-type situation from an older nurse last night on the T and almost got pinched by the T's finest. And Dr. Woe nods in a special subservient manner he uses for non-slopes, who he's really polite with. But he's a dictator to his slopes when we see him with his subservient slopes. But with us, we're all like most polite and everything like conversation. And it's nice, but expensive. But it feels nice at the time, Uh, But Woe finishes his so-called tea, and Woe goes back behind the curtains in the back of hung toys that's a giant bright red curtain with purple mountains or hills and clouds that are flying snakes with leather wings. (laughs) That is one curtain yours truly would want to boost for personal hanging use that nobody that isn't a slope and isn't in with Woe can't never go behind it but you can see when he opens it and goes behind the curtain, it looks like merely more old slope ladies sitting on packing cases with slope writing, eating more noddles in bowls. They hold about like a millimeter from their yellow maps and everything like that. Good Lord. Slopes rarely stop shoveling in the old noddles. <laughs> Stokely Darkstar calls them maggot eaters and subservient slopes keep going in and out of the curtain while Woe's back there a longer than average time and C's got the shivers and starts to jones. And dope fiends are full of superstation. And he says to yours truly, he says, the fuck, he says, maybe what if poor Tony really did take part with burning woe? And what if a slope sees poor Tony outside? And is one of those slopes going in and out of the curtain, maybe telling woe, like ratting out poor Tony as our acquaintance? and My mucus is starting, and we're jonesing superstitiously over PT. And where's woe behind the curtain and everything like that? trying to smile and conversation ultra low, drinking, quote, tea that's like schnapps, only worse and green. (laughs) And we Jones and and Dr. Woe comes back finally at last, out smiling subserviently with all the wonderful skeet, three bundles in a newspaper. Who could fucking read it? But the pictures are of slope VIPs in suits. And Woe sits down. And Woe never sits down at the booth with the skeet. It isn't done in his commerce and Woe's hands are folded over our skeet in the thing, and Woe, smiling, says, he asks C if we've seen good old poor Tony or Susan T. Cheese around. We crew with poor, poor Tony in boosting life, did we not, he said. C, he says, P.T. is a fucking, dick-sucking, fag queer and a proven cheese eater, and we'd fucked up his map and cheese and Lola sister's map in a beef and didn't crew with fags since approx the autumn period. C is pouring mucus and trying to smile casually. Dr. Woe laughed in a hearty fashion and said, Excellent. And Wo leaned over our skeet saying, If we should happen by chance to see poor Tony or them, to please give poor Tony his quite best regards and wish him prosperity and a thousand blisses and everything like that. And we promote the newspaper of skeet and Woe promotes our money. And very politely, out we go. And I admit it, yours truly wanted, we should burn poor Tony and Ricky tick the fuck out of Chinatown. But we go over down more by the China Pearl place. And poor Tony is sort of hunched behind a light pole with his gray teeth chatting in his dress and thin coat, trying to be low profile in his red coat and heels (laughs) around a million plus slopes that are all subservants of woe. And later, after screwing out, we didn't tell him of what Woe said about sitting down and asking about him and Cheese's blisses, and we screw to the orange line to our hot air blower grate we use at night at the library behind the Copley Square, and we get our personal works out from behind the brickworks, behind the bush, by the hot blower grate, where we stash our works, and we're eagerly into the first bundle, and we're cooking up, and notice poor Tony doesn't the least Bitch when yours truly and C tie off first in line, seeing as we're the ones that copped it, and poor Tony's got to wait as usual. Except I notice he doesn't bitch even a little. Normally, poor Tony keeps up this usual whine, yours truly learned how to not notice, but when he doesn't whine now that we're jonesing and the skeet's right there, I notice he's casually looking like every place but at the skeet, which is unusual and see jonesing and with the shivers, cooking up trying to keep his lighter lit in the hot air's wind and snow of night, and I admit it, yours truly, I get a wicked cold inside feeling, even with all this hot air from the blower grate blowing up from under us, and making our hair blow around, and Tony's feather snake burnt upward, I yours truly get a cold feeling of superstation once more. You get wicked superstitions in this fucked up kind of shit life, because it's a never-ending chase. and You get too tired to go by much more than never-ending habit and superstation and everything like that. So, but I don't say anything. But yours truly, I have a cold superstition about t- poor Tony not whining while he makes like he has to casually piss and takes a piss and the piss steams up around the lower airs of the bush with his back turned away and isn't looking around with interest or anything like that. You never turn your back on the skeet when it's partly your skeet, which is wicked unusual. That's a, <laughs> there's a boss. In, yeah. yeah. Uh, which C is so eagerly dope sick, he doesn't notice anything past keeping the lighter lit. And so I admit it, I, yours truly, did uh, perpl- perpluously let C tie up and boot up first while I still cooked up. I did cook up unusually slow. Fucking with the getting the snow melt hot in the spoon and everything like that. Yours truly, I let the lighter go out and took more time with the cotton and C had the shivers worst of us and cooks up the fastest and would have got it anyway. Later, with C's map eliminated, poor Tony later conceded admitting Susan T. Cheese helped a Worcester fag get over on Woe for a fronted bundle in Autumn is why. And all three bundles Woe give us in Slope News was Hot Shots. Laced. It started the instantly C undid the belt and booted up. We knew already. Yours truly and I and PT theorized it was drano with the blue like glitter shit and everything, uh like that had taken out by subservient slopes. It had that drano like effect on C and everything like that. It was laced. Whatever it was, C started with the screaming in a loud hippage fashion, high pitch fashion instantly after he unties and boots. And down he goes, flopping with his heels, pounding on the metal of the blower grate. And he's at his throat with his hands, tearing at himself in the most fucked up fashions. And poor Tony is high-healing, ricky-tick over, overseas, zipping up, saying he screams, sweetie, see, butt, and stuffing the feather snake from his neck's head in sea's mouth to shut him up from high-pitched screaming in case Boston's finest can hear involvement. And blood and bloody material is coming out of C's mouth and C's nose. And it's all over the feathers. It's a sure sign of Drano. Blood is. And C's eyes get beasly and bulge. And he's crying blood into the feathers in his mouth and trying to hold onto my glove. But C's arms are going all over. And one eye, it like all of a sudden pops out of his map. Like with a pop you make with fingers in your mouth with all this blood and material and a blue string at the back of the eye and the eye falls over the side of C's map and hangs there looking at the fag poor Tony. And C turned light blue and bit through the snake's head and died for keeps and shit his pants instantly. With (laughs) shit so bad the hot air blower grate is blowing small bits of fart and blood and misty shit up into our maps. And poor Tony backs off of oversea "'and puts his hands over his made-up map "'and looks at C through his fingers. "'And yours truly, I take the belt off, "'it goes without saying, "'and don't even rethink or dream "'about trying maybe a different bag "'out of a different bundle from C. "'For how could Woe know what bundle "'we'd cook up out of first? "'So all three bundles must be hot. "'So I don't even dream, "'even though yours truly shivering "'and mucus sick already. "'And now in payback, Woe has our only money to get straight with for Christmas. It might sound fucking low, but the reason we had to leave the deceased body C in one of the library's dumpsters is the reason is because the Copley Square's finest know it is our personal hot air blower grate. And if we leave C there, it's a sure pinch for us as known acquaintance and a period of kicking the bird in a holding in a cell but the dumpster was empty of material and C's head made it a fucked up sound when it hit the empty bottom. And poor Tony cried and whined and said, he had no inkling that beast woe was that vindicative and poor old deceased C and how this was it. He's going to get clean from here on out and get a straight job dancing in a patty type club in the Fenway and everything like that. On and on, piss and whine. I didn't say anything. I had to rethink on the T to the square if yours truly I should eliminate poor Tony's map for keeps for payback on how he purposely let C shoot up first and would have yet let yours truly shoot first even knowing or make that cheese move and go back down the orange line to woe to try to get enough bags to get true straight eating cheese to woe about the warehouse that poor Tony and Susan T. Cheese and Lola's sister with Equus crashed at now. Or like what? Yours truly, I almost was crying. It was when poor Tony took off his high heels and wanted yours truly, I should boost him like over the edge of C's body's dumpster to get back what was left of his feather stole out of C's mouth that yours truly, I thought I decided what to do but the connected slope, woe, wasn't even there in front of the hung toys curtain in the early Xmas AM. And then poor Tony departed for green pastures and ate cheese, and it took yours truly two days of kicking the bird in the hall outside my mumster's apartment that for payback she locked the door before I, yours truly, can get in a detox to at least cop some methadone and get three squares to stay down in yours truly to start to theorize on what to try to do after I could stand up straight And walk upright again once more. (laughs) Oh my god! And that's it. Insane. Uh, Those
0: things always make me feel insane.
1: Yeah, that was insane to read. The patois, and I'm sure it was insane to hear the chapters. And that one was it wasn't.
0: And also, they're both fairly brutal (laughs) in what they describe as well.
1: Yeah. Well, also the the like the language. Geez, I yeah the.
0: Well, apologies and maybe uh, a <laughs> postemptive content warning, but yeah. we didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> David David did. Uh so if you, if you want to cancel him, uh, go afraid. for it honestly. Uh we're, that's what we're trying to figure out here.
1: So things are maybe starting to come together a little bit in that Roy Tony who was last mentioned in that AAV yeah. chapter who appears to be part of a crew of people at the projects who is selling heroin. Yes. And then these guys uh are uh, their clients. Are their clients. <laughs> yes. And uh, just Bo- Boston excellence, I guess. Yes, Boston, yes. Uh and then also um we got Lyle the uh
0: Lyle the sweat guru.
1: Sweat guru uh, gross. I I would like to interrogate, uh, David Foster Wallace's, uh, relationship with the, the word fag, because it is weird. He uses it a lot. Yeah. And not just in, uh, passages where it is like, you know, people of different backgrounds. Yes. Uh, he uses it as like the narrator as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he used it narratively in, uh, in this segment before the, the, um, the The vernacular segment mm-hmm. um yeah, I mean, some of these things are starting to connect, so <laughs> I mean I don't know I don't know what to what to make of that i yeah I, just
1: br- it's some sometimes these things are just like totally brutal for no reason, yeah uh, other than just to show i don't know like how the brutality of it. life is yeah
0: like, I mean yeah. that's a good question is that gratuitous I don't know, I mean it's certainly evocative. And he does get to the thing that I think connects a lot of these things is, is kind of uh, obsessiveness, um, the obsessiveness of anxiety and anxiety of obsessiveness that, that comes through a lot of drug use in this book, but also just the way other people think about things. I mean, the way, um, what's his name? Oral uh, thinks about his fucking honey toast
1: uh um orin orin yes well, yeah or compare you know someone basically wanting very badly to acquire drugs to feed their addiction mm-hmm. in this passage versus ken urdaddy the weed addict yeah exactly who is like sleeping with a theater director and like has mm-hmm. like art on his walls and stuff yes uh that it's all still the same even the, though like, like the neuroses, class level yeah. is different it's still like this weird horror show of just like total Full body, full brain obsession. It's wild. Yeah,
0: and he does write that obsession fairly well, even if he the ways that he chooses to get get into it are strange and maybe evoke his own obsessions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is he does he does he just want to use slurs and then find a way to uh, to justify to justify it by like creating a character who would be plausible would talk like this?
1: Who knows. Yeah, right. Is it is it just edginess for edginess' sake?
0: Yeah. I mean, what does he want to get out of uh, <laughs> throwing around all those slurs for, uh, like, lower-class heroin users right. in this if it's not just to shock you? I mean, that is a very shocking mm-hmm. uh, passage. Right. Uh, clearly by design because, you know, especially given what it's sandwiched around the, like, high formal language of, like, the Quebecois guy and and the mm-hmm. person he's talking to, which is like a very a segment of very formalized language, yes. And then you slam right into something like this. I mean, clearly the effect that he is tr- that that you are supposed to get out of it is that whiplash feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's the question of like, well, <laughs> like to what end? And I don't know where this goes. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, all I can say is that uh. You will meet someone in this section again, but you will not meet everyone in the section again.
0: Well, did we get the name of the person who is referring to themselves as yours? You, you,
1: we yours don't truly. I think the character, at least right now, is yours truly.
0: Yours truly, yeah. And Big Tony and Susie T. Cheese. No, poor Tony. <laughs> poor Tony and Roy. Tony. Roy
1: Tony, yes. Susan Tichy's Lola sister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the other, yeah, I don't know, the homophobic stuff is it's weird. It's weird. We, we know what time this is happening in. It's,
0: it's true. I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to gauge what effect that would have come off as in the early 90s because I feel like of things in our lifetime that have moved the quickest, it is public and common um, acceptability and, uh, kindness to homosexuality
1: yeah in in some ways yeah mm-hmm. or at least to uh white uh white cis homosexual people yes i feel like it was weird saying homosexual <laughs> like yes. i was stuck in the 90s anyway um yes
0: the only people i know who who sincerely often use the word homosexual in their uh in their uh lingo are the homosexuals i know Okay. <laughs> who seemingly enjoy to refer to each other as homosexuals. Right. Which I always think is fun.
1: Um funny. I get a kick out of. Anyway. Yes. Is there anything else we want to talk about?
0: Oh yeah, it's just been a good weekend for uh, people people getting making each other mad online, which is the second thing that this podcast is about. Uh Yes. The first thing it's about is the the novel Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace and mm-hmm. the second thing it's about is people getting mad online. Yes. Um and I I don't know if he, you you start pinned it off with the uh the party with a classic uh people getting mad at at teenagers uh for influencers having a, a party yes on uh new year's eve that had like all the same names as the um the the classic teen roast what was the guy like Lurb? curbs like, Lerb. curbs Lerbs, but no who is the real guy who
1: Shad oh the guy who made it yeah
0: uh, like sloopy q or something
1: Oh, I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah. it's all all these. I'm so
0: disappointed in you. There,
1: and there it. wasn't. It wasn't in the tweet that I retweeted, but it was in the thread that there's a guy whose name is Connor Tanner. Connor <laughs> Tanner.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, we're, Connor Tanner. We are so disappointed in your um your your responsibility. Yeah. Levels. Do better. Uh, and of course today we're we are potting on the day of the Bean Dad incident. Yes. Which has so many good things in it. Which is not only uh is somebody cho- this is a great example of of you know dude you chose to post this. So the idea is that this guy uh, made his his daughter his 9-year-old daughter stare at a can of beans for 6 hours cuz she couldn't figure out how to use a can opener and yeah. was hungry. Yep. Yeah and and tweeted it as an inspirational learning moment and people got mad at him for being like you you tortured your daughter with beans. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, the th- the thing I had had just picked up on is that, you know, people were roasting it for having all the usual energies is like parenting and like parenting tips and parenting advice Mm -hmm. usually brings out pretty strong opinions on Twitter and it also has the kind of like smug like listen almost like the elevated listen up chuckle fucks yeah like thing of like thread I taught my daughter an important lesson but then most importantly it's bean energy it is bean energy and it's just funny because it's about beans and beans are
0: inherently funny
1: They're uh, this sounds funny it
0: is it's a funny sound bean beans
1: cans of beans
0: beans a can of beans a six a six hour incident over a can of beans is funny no matter what the context is and it's even more fun funny when it's like i gave my daughter a teachable bean moment
1: teachable bean moment i do it's it was very much like all right just taught my daughter an important lesson about um like mechanical learning and independence now time to take a big sip of my coffee and look at the <laughs> my timeline. <bean> juice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh it's also funny that that guy is in is in the 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 kind of earnest podcasting space because he's the the guy who does the music for, uh, my brother, my brother, and me, and I. You said he has three podcasts. I think he's four like pod Four podcasts. podcasts. I mean, listen, I'm wanting to judge. talk. I mean, I I'm involved with three, but uh, he's over in the the maximum fun sphere, which you know, like no shade. I love the a, a lot of stuff on the maximum fun, um, network. But I will also say that maximum fun has big um, earnest. Uh, life mm-hmm. lessons, energy, like all those guys really love Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's, a it's a like in that soy you know, soy yeah. vibe, yeah. Uh, which again, no shade. I like a bunch of those guys uh, and a bunch of those shows a lot. But it is funny that that came out of that that sphere mm-hmm. of like let me let me share an epic teachable bean moment. And people <laughs> were like, absolutely not, sir. <laughs>
1: The the other good one is also that uh, dating being attracted to oh, short yes, women yes, yes. is predatory. Yes, because tall
0: women are mommy and short women are baby.
1: Yeah, which again, classic. There, we're getting really in deep with the takes about um, like what's predatory. Yeah, and like what's like grooming and <laughs> dating like beauty, short women is grooming beauty standards <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, dating short women is grooming. I
0: can't look. I I can neither help in how tall I am nor how short women are.
1: Yeah. There is nothing, Chris, there's nothing you can do about the size of women. (laughs) There is
0: nothing I can do
1: about the the size of women. Tired, the shape of water, (laughs) wired, the size of women.
0: (laughs) I should be, you're right, I should be working more. I should be doing more personal introspection. Uh, I should be doing clap, the clap, work, clap to help normalize the size of women.
1: I just want to flip the script and just be like actually i think tall women dating short men is predatory yes they can obviously dominate them physically it sounds like they're going to uh get locked into a life of reverse abuse yeah where it's, it's a
0: form of abuse for yeah. a, a women and, and in fact we should probably do a, uh, a wellness check on will Menaker right now
1: <laughs> do a, wi- a wellness check. a wellness check yes that's funny um but
0: yeah people people have been i think the the combination of the excitement of New Year's and then the continued stir craziness—it's been riling up, yeah, uh, the people a bit.
1: The like end of 2020, like mood, definitely, you know, where you—the idea that you have to like wrap all of this, like the super traumatic year, into a tight bow and the, mm-hmm. the feeling that you know things will be different this year like i'm gonna like, turn over a new leaf and like start some resolutions but then just just like again this long gap of nothing yeah that is just resulting in people getting like so heated I but you- also so amused i'm really enjoying it personally I, r-
0: I usually try to make at least one resolution even if it's like a joke one this in y- this year i'm just like not even bothering with it you don't have any resis no do you
1: um i would like to like put on more like you know like makeup and like brush my hair sometimes oh wow yeah i'd like okay. to like feel like more attractive oh and i would like to um have a bottle of uh bubbly wine in the fridge at all times that was a good one yeah um
0: my resolution is to finally mail these uh these gifts listener gifts for this very show which are sitting in a box right in front of me literally right now i'm going to do it and they'll be in the mail this week i know i said this last time but i'm actually going to do it uh this week um and also to uh pod more just more fucking podcasts one been,
1: podcast every day
0: I almost I think I put out more I put out almost 300 well, I forget how many I did almost 300 podcasts this year My last year God, god uh, it's getting wild anyway we're, th- I don't think there's much more to talk about here yeah unless you have more subjects
1: I don't have any bad bad takes
0: Uh no all your takes are, oh, are the, the only perfect, thing I, I still like must you. say oh thank uh, you
1: Thanks. I, no, all my takes are good. Push me to the wood. All, all my, my takes are, are good. good.
0: Did you did you say you had one more thing you wanted must say?
1: I will. The only thing I was going to say is that I still like feel bad for saying all that hateful reading all that hateful language and don't want to be weird about like drawing the line at the n-word even though they yeah. s- misspelled it in it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, I guess I feel bad about like wondering what the arbitrary line is of like not saying like th- the worst thing, but then like who gets to decide what the worst thing is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's something I might need to interrogate more. But it was also it was literally going to be impossible to read that passage if I didn't say an Asian slur. Yeah. So I don't know. Why did why did David Foster Walls make me do that? Yes. I feel dirty. It's
0: tough. I, I'm not sure what the right reason to do that is. I mean, that's why I'm I mean not to open a whole nother thing. I mean, it just makes me remember when um when you read like Huck Finn and in, in high school Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to have the conversation about the use of the n-word in it and i think it's really difficult but also important to confront because it is like such a brutal important part of our language yes and much be and must be discussed but i also kind of remember i remember like some kids i think i've even talked about this on the show before like some kids not reveling in the ability to say it, but like kind of taking their like intellectual, like I understand that this is okay to say in the context of this book because it's an important work of American fiction. So I'm going to say it. Enthusiastically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I was like, you don't want to be like leaning into, you
1: don't want to like take that as like your loophole and like be like stoked about it because it like gives you a pass. Yeah.
0: It's and it's, I mean, I think you want to, I don't know. I think it is important to like read some of that stuff out loud. in in the context of, like, learning about American literature and history, but I think that you need to confront it in its, like, brutalness and ugliness and, like, if you're going to do it, be thinking about, like, if you're going to be, like, reading from it in a class, be thinking about, like, why we say it now and why we don't say it other times.
1: I will give myself uh, a homework assignment, which is to try to find some kind of, like, uh, actually good article about this and read it. Okay, I think that that's good. Look, yeah, we're
0: we're 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 trying to keep our our brains big open in this.
1: Yes, even though our brains are poisoned by bean discourse, I would like to continue learning <laughs> and growing. My brain is just a, my
0: brain's just a little bean now.
1: My brain is my head. My head is, my head is a uh, a crock of baked beans. <laughs>
0: my my it's a can of baked beans, and I'm trying to desperately clumsily to apply the can opener to it. <laughs> But we'll see if I can actually do it. <laughs> All right. I know you have to hop onto your next thing, Molly. Yes. All right. We'll sign off. I'll put this up uh, in just a few minutes.
1: Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.